Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our text for our sermon is John chapter 13, verses 3 through 20. Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. He got up from the supper and laid aside his outer garment. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, You do not understand what I am doing now, but later you will understand. Peter told him, You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Lord, not just my feet, Simon Peter replied, but also my hands and my head. Jesus told him, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet, but his body is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Indeed, he knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. After Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garment, he reclined at the table again. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. You are right because I am. Now, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Yes, I have given you an example so that you also would do just as I have done for you. Amen, amen, I tell you. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not talking about all of you. I know that I have that I have chosen, but this is so that scripture may be fulfilled. One who eats bread with me has raised his heel against me. I'm telling you this right now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am he. Amen. Amen. I tell you, whoever receives anyone I sends receives me and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is Ash Wednesday, titled such because actually before the beginning of the medieval ages, but just before it, Christians used to take, and and actually now what they do is they burn the palm branches from Palm Sunday the previous year, but they would take during this service and and the pastor or whoever was was leading the service would, would stick his finger in ashes and make the sign of the cross on people's foreheads. It was a reminder because of our sin, we die. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But because of that cross, which we build up from Ash Wednesday until a Good Friday, and then obviously we celebrate the resurrection on Easter, we have life in Christ. Now, I have been pastor to younger people who have told me in years past that they know the kids in their school that go to churches that actually continue that and put the ashen cross on their foreheads because lots of times if they meet after the Ash Wednesday service, uh, they can tell the ones whose churches do that because the kids, you got kind of a weird thing on your head. They go like this and just smear the ashes around or you find the kids who took a shower that night but didn't have a mirror, you know, and they didn't scrub it so their heads or their foreheads are kind of gray. Once those ashes are on, yeah, eventually you can sweat and wear it off. But otherwise, you're not getting them off without a really good washing. 
And this year during the, during the Lent season, our theme as we look at this short period, the night that Jesus is betrayed to the time that he dies on the cross, it's really just a 24-hour period, we see Christ overcomes death for us. And just as that ashen cross is going to have to be washed off for us, you're going to have a gray forehead. In today's text, we see Christ overcomes death for us by washing away its filth. Now, in our text, we're told, although Jesus knew that the Father gave all things into his hands and that he came from God and that he was going away to God, he rises up from the supper and he sets aside his garments. And after he took a linen cloth, he tied it around his own waist. Then he poured water into the basin and he began washing his disciples' feet and wiping them dry with the linen cloth, which he had tied around his waist. We can easily overlook what's going on in verse 3. Knowing that God gave all things into his hand and that he came from God. Now, this, this is Jesus is the one through whom all things were made. He is God. He's eternally begotten of the Father. And he came down and took on human flesh so that he could be our substitute. And then he went back to God. We're told that. And he was going away to God. As we confess after Easter that he ascended to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. We're there he rules over creation for us. This is the God of creation. He owns creation. He's the one who spoke. Keep that in mind. Because they washed feet for a different reason and, and certain than, than we would think. Certainly, uh, in those days where the roads were dirt and in, in Palestine there, they wore sandals, your feet would get dusty. But remember, like the Pharisees were, especially it was a ceremonial cleansing they'd give to their hands. It wasn't to wash away germs before they ate. It was to wash away Gentile cooties. It was to wash away the things that were ceremonially unclean. And to wash your feet, you are washing dirt off, but there was also a ceremonial cleanliness. So unless you're eating with your feet, it really wasn't about sanitary things. And yet the person who normally did this was a slave. Uh, and this was not considered even as slaves. Human beings tend to establish pecking orders. And if you were the guy who washed feet, well, you were one step above in the human pecking order. The guy who cleaned out the bedpans, if you understand what those are for. So when you see paintings of the, of the Last Supper and you see more than Jesus and, and, and the Twelve, there's something wrong because it was just Jesus and the twelve. There was not the usual servant there to wash people's feet. Now you got twelve disciples and not a one of them was going to do it. And we know, for example, like James and John, the two brothers had asked if they could sit on the right and the left. They're vying for positions of power. None of the disciples even thought about doing that, that banal servant work. None of them was going to lower themselves to it. In fact... If we want to use a modern comparison, if one of them even said, well, one of us has to do it, so I, I might as well volunteer. I know younger people who've gone to work like at fast food restaurants and stuff, or, you know, people come flying in off the interstate and they come in and then the kid who's car sick uh, vomits. And most of the people who work at the fast food restaurant don't want to clean up that vomit. And the one person who has the stomach power to, to do it without adding to the pile kind of becomes known as the puke guy or gal, right? They get stuck with it. So we got a power trip going on here in a certain aspect among the disciples. All of them thought themselves above that job. Every one of them knew there was no servant and not a one of them was going to do it. So the God of all creation does it. None of the disciples wanted to do this servant's work. And yet this is what kicks off our theme for Lent. Because God is going to do servant's work by taking on the filth of our sin. Let's get into that some more. 
Then he comes to Simon Peter and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, are you yourself going to wash my feet? Jesus answered by saying to Peter, you on your part have not perceived that which I on my part am doing. However, you will know through experience after these things. Peter says to Jesus, you will never, ever wash my feet. Yo, I want to stop there for a minute. The Apostle Peter is probably my favorite apostle because no other apostle's sins and mistakes are recorded as much. He's usually the guy who speaks up the most. Peter wasn't going to wash the other guys' feet, but this is Peter who, notice he actually is commanding the Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You are the God of all creation. You're above this. I'm below you. At least Peter got that. But this is the second time that Peter thinks God uh, is confused, the God-man, and needs his instructions, needs his orders. About a month and a half earlier, uh, Jesus had said, we're going to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed by the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the scribes will be handed over to the Gentiles, and, and he'll die. And Peter says, no, Lord, this, what are you doing? This is not the way to go on. And Jesus has to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter's not going to put up with this. He recognizes this is servant's work, and he recognizes... I am not above my Lord, so I can't let my Lord do this. But it's his sinful nature bossing the Lord around. And so we're told uh, then that Jesus, turned, that Jesus tells him uh, to Peter, unless I wash you, then you never have a share with me. Simon Peter says to Jesus, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Everything changes. Now, you notice Peter turns around and actually orders the Lord a second time. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you never ever. That means you're not going to heaven. You're done. You never ever have anything to do with me. You're separate from me. Oh, then not just my hand, my head, but my hands and my feet. He's bossing the Lord around. Not meaning to, doesn't, not, not, and I'm sure Peter's intent, I don't think is anywhere near as harsh as I've put it, but Peter was not going to have such a humble Lord, and Peter would tell the humble Lord how to be the Lord, and yet Peter had already missed it. Jesus, in less than 12 hours, is going to be on the cross, spilling out his blood for us. Unless we are washed in the blood of the lamb, we have our sin, and that sin separates us from God. Christ overcomes death for us by washing away its filth. Its filth is your and my sin. That is a filth that separates us from God. And like Peter, we tend to want to be the boss, don't we? We want to tell God how to be God and boss him around. Like a genie in a bottle where you pull out and, oh goodness, now I need something. Rub the old bottle, this genie that can grant anything. Now genies don't really exist, obviously, but then I'll tell him what to do. That's how we treat God. Lord, things are going bad for me. Here's the answer I want from you. Never mind, you don't know better than I do. Like Peter, we think God needs us to tell him what to do. We tend to struggle with that sin of thinking we know how to tell God or manipulate God into getting what we want. But you know, the sad thing is Jesus had told the disciples that they were not to be like the lords of the Gentiles for they lorded over them. They boss them around. They domineer over them. And how often in our sinful nature do we see that ourselves? We want to boss our brothers and sisters and Christ around. And we're not willing to be served or to serve. We're not going to do the foot washing stuff. Uh-uh. We'll tell other people how to serve us, including God. Yet 
Jesus tells us we're not to lord it over people like the like the Gentiles do. He washed the feet to show an example because God himself is going to serve us by taking all the filthiness of our sin, which God is holy. Jesus never sinned upon himself. So Christ overcomes death for us by washing away its filth with his blood. It's and that filth is our sin, especially we can see how we we look out for number one. We'll tell other people how to serve us. We're not so good at serving others and we'll do the same thing with God. So it's a filth that separates us from God. Our text continues. Jesus at verse 10, Jesus said to Peter, he who has been bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. There's a lot that's said there. The gist of it is, you've taken a bath, you're clean, and then the, the post office uh, rings and you got a package that they just, for, I've never seen a postman do it, I've always been blessed, but they just throw in the middle of the yard. So you go darting out to get it and your feet sink into the mud, right? When you come back in, you don't have to take a full bath, it's just your feet that are dirty. That's all that needs to be washed. And you'll notice that Jesus says, he who has been bathed, it's passive. Now, we've already figured out that Jesus is pointing to spilling out his blood that washes our sin away. Christ died for the sins of the whole world. So there's only one sin that condemns us. That is unbelief. As John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But again, this isn't, you don't bring yourself to faith. You don't weigh the evidence and make a decision. You don't climb up a tall mountain or crawl around on your knees and earn it. You don't bathe yourselves. Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of the throne of God, has ruled over time and creation according to God the Father's plan and sent somebody to tell you, you have filthy sin that separates you from God But God became a man and he did the stuff to take that sin away. Then working through that message, the Holy Spirit enters your heart and creates a new person that is engrafted to Christ. Christ's blood is what washes you clean. But the Holy Spirit working through that message creates and sustains the faith. And that's why it's passive. He who has been bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. When God gives you faith, You are bathed in the blood of the lamb. And so the filth of your sin is washed away by by Christ's blood, but that becomes yours by the faith the Holy Spirit gives you. Again, in verse 10, Jesus says to Peter, he who has been bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is altogether clean. And you yourselves are clean, but not every one of you. For Jesus had perceived the one who was betraying him. On account of this, Jesus said that not every one of you is clean. It's really despicable when you think about it with Judas. Judas, for three years, got to hear God's word directly from the God-man. Got to have it applied. Got to hear the forgiveness of sins and even preach the forgiveness of sins. And even do things like baptisms that would put people, that would seal the Holy Spirit in people's hearts. So that they too would receive that washing. They would have that bathing. And what does he do with that three years? Now you and I cannot bring ourselves to faith. As Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. But we can reject it. In our natural state, that's what we will do. But think about how despicable it is that Judas gets to see the miracles, hear everything, and then he sets his heart on the money he can purchase, he can gain by betraying his Lord. Judas does not trust in the Lord, and you have to fight 
to drive the Holy Spirit out of your heart, which Judas was able to do, so that the, and the devil then found a heart that was more than willing to be possessed. Rejecting that faith that the Holy Spirit gives us makes us filthy again. It's like having had the bath and then jumping into a fresh manure pile and rolling around in it. So we feed that faith by coming to the word regularly where we are constantly assured of the forgiveness of sins. And once again, let me remind you what Jesus said in verse 10 to Peter. He who has been bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. So when God brings you to faith, you've been bathed in the blood of the lamb. But every day you and I sin, right? Well, the disciples had the same problem. Verse 12, so when he had washed their feet and taken his outer garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, you do not know through experience what I've done to you. Yet you yourselves call me the teacher and the Lord. Notice there in the original inspired Greek language, it's the teacher and the Lord. The teacher of all teachers and the Lord isn't just a master or a guy you'd call sir. This is God. And rightly you say this, for I am. Jesus here confesses he is God. He is the Lord. Therefore, since I, the Lord, and the teacher wash your feet, also you yourselves are obligated to wash each other's feet. For I have given you an example that just as I myself did to you, also you yourselves should do. Now, I have to be careful because some people think that foot washing becomes something the Christian church has to do. Now, if you live in a state like Wyoming, you know, this time of the year, you wear shoes. It's too cold to be going barefoot out there. You don't need to have your feet washed like that. But some Christians think that, you know, this is a ritual that Christians are supposed to do or like, like a sacrament, like the Lord's Supper or baptism. No, you know, Jesus says it's an example. And the example is God. Comes down, from his, comes down from his heavenly throne to take on human flesh so that he could serve us literally by carrying all the filth of our sin on his shoulders to wash it away. There is the servant's attitude. And we're to have a servant's attitude towards one another. The disciples at this time didn't understand it, but when he says these things, he's talking about his crucifixion and his resurrection. It's the package deal. They were believers, but they were all gonna run in fear from the, uh, and abandon their Lord that same night. They were going to commit yet another sin, but they were cleansed by their faith that God had given them and those sins would be washed away as well. So we can apply that. You and I have been, by faith, we have been washed in the blood of the lamb. But each day we wake up and we have to struggle with our sinful nature. And each day he gets a sucker punch and he wins that struggle in thoughts, in words and in actions. But we don't have to be completely rebathed again, rebaptized, or, or any of that. The blood of the Lamb is poured upon us every day to wash away that day's sins, and all the sins previously are gone for good in God's eyes. And so we gather to the Word, around the Word, to hear that. We as brothers and sisters in Christ serve as priests and assure each other of that. We show each other our sin so that we recognize it separates us from God, and then we assure each other that our sins are forgiven. And it's really a neat thing in the Lutheran liturgy, which uh, dates back to over before 250 AD, where after we could begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we launch right into confessing our sins, saying I'm a sinner, and being told God's word assures you your sins are forgiven. There's that daily bath. And this is why we constantly come to the word and do devotions and stuff to, to be assured, yes, we sinned again today, but our sins are gone. So Christ overcomes death for us, washing away its filth, and that, that is a filth that by faith, 
we're bathed in the blood of the Lamb, and so it, it goes away. So ultimately, as we began this on Ash Wednesday, Christians put the sign of that cross in ashes on their forehead to remind them the wages of sin is death, but you have life in the Lord. And when you go back to work the next day, you're going to have had to have washed that off, or eventually it might take time, well, to, to wear off. But our sins don't just wear away. They don't just take time. Unless the blood of the lamb washes them away, we are separated from God. And so we see Christ overcomes death for us, washing away its filth. The filth that is our sin and it separates us from God and the filth that by faith is bathed away because the blood of Christ becomes ours when the Holy Spirit creates that new person in us. Amen. And now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen.